0: Welcome to DC TV Classics, your home for the history of DC on TV. I am your host, Keith Chow. And it may sound like I'm rolling solo, but later in the podcast, we're going to have our friends Brittany and Desiree speaking with our special guests for this week's episode, Rebecca Theodore Vachon. She's a TV and film critic and writer. Her work credits include RogerEbert.com, Vulture, The New York Times, Entertainment Weekly. She's also one of the best follows on Twitter. You can follow her at FilmFatal_NYC. underscore NYC and support her Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmfatale underscore NYC. Speaking of Patreon, I want to take a few moments at the beginning of the podcast before I turn it over to Brittany and Desiree to announce our own Patreon at The Nerds of Color. If you like listening to DCTV Classics and if you tune into my other podcasts, Hard Knock Life and Southern Fried Asian, then I'd like to ask you to support The Nerds of Color Patreon at patreon.com slash The Nerds of Color, where we'll be posting exclusive content for our patrons and add shout outs and everything that we love about Patreon. We could use the support at Hard Knock Media, so please check out Patreon.com slash the Nerds of Color for that. So this week's episode was actually inspired by some DC films news. So one of the rumors surrounding the Shazam movie, the upcoming Shazam movie, is that Superman himself, Henry Cavill, is slated to appear Uh, How big a role he'll have in the movie is to be determined if he's even going to be in the movie. But if this rumor turns out to be true, the idea is that Billy Batson is inspired by Superman and ultimately becomes Captain Marvel slash Shazam as the result of his love of uh, Superman and his idolization of Superman. That's the rumor. And at the same time, Rebecca Theodore has been tweeting about her Justice League Unlimited rewatch. And one of the classic... One of the most classic episodes of Justice League Unlimited is the episode Clash, in which Captain Marvel and Superman meet for the very first time, and only time, in the animated DC Universe. So, we invited Rebecca to join us here on DCTV Classics, so what I'm going to do now is turn it over to my co-hosts Brittany Monet and Desiree Rodriguez, as they chat with Rebecca Theodore about... The classic Justice League episode, Clash. And all things Superman and Shazam. So please check out their conversation here on DCTV Classics.
1: Okay, so we have Rebecca here with us. And we're going to be talking about um, actually the rumor that Superman might be joining the Shazam movie. And how this ties into classics is because there's actually an episode of Justice League Unlimited where Superman and Captain Marvel, or Sajam, they meet, and we're going to discuss this. So how's it going, girls?
2: Hi! Hi! (laughs) I am so excited to have Rebecca on the show. You guys have no idea. Oh,
1: thank you! (laughs) Like, they even called me into work today. I'm like, I can't. I I got stuff to do today. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
3: so flattered.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so actually this whole um, conversation about of this episode is because of you tweeting about the show. So what brought you to come back and watch the show?
3: Oh, um, I don't know. Well, I think um, I have this habit like where I'll just revisit shows that I really liked. I was revisiting supernatural. I was revisiting, um the office and then yeah and then i i I forget why it was but yeah and then all of a sudden i think i was having a conversation with someone about justice league and then usually the ideal just dropped in my head and i was like hey you know what let me revisit that so i think i started with um what was what was the episode that was with the justice lords that was the episode of um a better world and so that Watching that just reminded me of Cadmus, and so I was like, oh, so I have to go to Justice League Unlimited. So I just jumped into that. <laughs> I have jumped into, like, the first season of Justice League Unlimited, and I just—I just, I, just I, I, will never stop talking about Justice League. I always feel that Justice League and Justice League Unlimited are just, like, one of the top animated series um, that we've seen on television, particularly from the D.C. side. It's, it was so well-made, so well-written, um, you know, the acting with the voiceovers, I, Andrea Romana is like the goat, like she's just perfect. Everybody was like perfectly cast in their roles. And so, yeah, it was just so, it was just really fun, um, being able to, to revisit, um, that whole storyline. So
2: Rebecca knows what's up because the Justice League cartoon show, I mean, I, I've gushed about this cartoon show so many times on the show. Uh, people are going to get sick of hearing my sweetie voice gushing about it, but, um, <laughs> In particular, like, the episode Clash, I thought was such a great... It was such a it was such a great episode because one of the things I loved about the Just League cartoon show was that Superman got to be, like, not perfect.
1: hmm And,
2: like, all his problems were, like, emotional problems. Like, he could be kind of a jerk sometimes, or he could be blinded by his own anger. Um, you know, it wasn't just about, like, him punching a bad guy. Because everybody yeah. kind of struggles with how do you make Superman interesting because he can beat up anybody, and his one weakness is, like, a green rock. So... You know, like, no jewelry for him, you know, and it's, like, it's so simple, it's, like, you make him suffer emotionally, (laughs) and I don't know, maybe fanfic authors are just, like, I want to see men suffer emotionally, so, um, like, it's never been a problem in fandom. But, uh, but that's what I really liked about, like, Justice League and Clash is such a great example of that because Superman's so blinded by his bias against Lex Luthor, justified bias, but still bias that it compl- he falls right into Luthor's trap, you know, and it was, it's such a great episode for Superman, even though he's kind of the bad guy, you know, in it. He's kind of his own worst enemy in it, and, you know, little little Billy Batston was so cute and he was such a great foil because, uh everybody kind of thinks of Superman as, like, the Boy Scout. Yeah, And and even Batman's, like, you know, he was like, oh, he's more of a Boy Scout than you, and Superman's all getting jealous and stuff. He's like, well, I thought I was your Boy Scout. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Like... That's so true. I mean, you know, the thing that that I,
3: I totally agree with you, Desiree, because when you watch Superman's story arc, starting like from the first season of Justice League, it's really picking up, at least in my opinion, it's really picking up from the last season of Superman, the animated series, right? With the whole thing with, you know, um, Darkseid basically brainwashing him. And, and I, I I appreciate it, because to me, when you watch Justice League and the evolution of Superman's story arc, it's really... Really, that whole three seasons is really more of like a redemptive arc for him. Right. And, you know, because he really has to um, regain the trust of the public while there's a grudging trust where it's like, yeah, we kind of trust you. I think you can really see that Superman is is working on it like he's emotionally vulnerable, like, oh, my God, this guy really just had me doing the most, you know what I mean? And, and having me hurt the people that I promised to protect. So, you know, and when you watch Superman to me, like there's definitely traces of PTSD in there, you know what I mean? And just the way that he's so angry, um, I think that was in the second season of Justice League when he meets Darkseid again. There's a lot of unfinished business between the two of them, right? You know what I mean? And so I just really appreciated the fact that they didn't just bring Superman in with a clean slate from the animated series. Like, they really showed, you know, the struggles that he was going through with that, you know, emotionally, psychologically. And I, and I think they did a fantastic job with that.
2: Yeah, I think for me, like, the DCAU was probably one of the best adapted versions of Superman that we've ever gotten. hmm You know, and I love that you mentioned Darkseid, because, and I can't remember the specific episode, but there's an episode where they meet, and, like, Superman almost kills him. Like, yeah. they're going at each other, and if Bruce, like, if Batman hadn't pulled him out, I almost believe he would have, you know, if this wasn't a kid's cartoon. But, <laughs> I mean, that's, and it's so rare to be able to see him, and you kind of, you understand why he was that angry, because, you know, Superman holds himself into such a high regard and it's almost like meta on a, on a certain level because the public, both inside the world of DC Comics and then, you know, outside in, in our in our reality, like, we hold Superman to such a high regard as this, this almost untouchable figure where he has to be good, he has to be smiley, he has to be, you know, a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the show is able, like, you know, with the ending of Superman's animated series into Justice League, you see, like, he, he is angry, like, he's hurt. Because the one thing he wants to do is to protect people. And the one fear people have of him is that he'll abuse his power. And then he's brainwashed by Darkseid. He does, in a way, abuse his power. It's not of his own volition, though. Like, there's a lot of interesting layers in that, you know. And I think that's what makes, um, like, Justice League and the the DC animated universe, like, so timeless. Is that Mm -hmm. you keep going back to it. And you're like... You just keep adding like seeing all these things and all these different layers to the characters but yeah and like i mean dwayne mcduffie has written some of my favorite episodes of yeah. of justice league like i will gush about his writing and until i'm blue in the face like some of my favorite episodes were by him yeah absolutely i mean that that whole the the, the last uh few episodes in wrapping
3: up the um the cadmus storyline like i was just sitting there like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we get writing like this on the live action side? <laughs> it was it was okay. so well done. It was so well written, and and I do think that Dwayne McDuffie. I mean, we've had you know quite a lot of writers that have written for um, Superman, you know, in the comic books, um, you know, the TV adaptations, the movie versions. But I I do feel that Dwayne McDuffie has a specific point of view when it comes to Superman because. I I was talking to someone, I think this was like a couple of weeks ago, when we were just saying how the Superman character is so underrated, kind of like what you said, Desiree, about how he's supposed to be a a Boy Scout, and some people think that he's boring and that he's goody-goody, and I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) If you watch the animated series, you can totally see that that's not true. But what I find interesting is that Superman is one of those rare characters where, you know, the the average superhero is dealing or juggling two identities, right? Usually they're they're real civilian identity and then their superhero identity. But Superman to me is unique in the fact that he's juggling three identities, right? You have Kal-El, you have Clark Kent, and you have Superman, right? And depending on the episode of you know, where he is in his life, sometimes he's navigating between two of them or all three of them, you know what I mean? So I feel like a character that has that many layers and that many dimensions, if you're writing Superman as flat and boring, that's not on Superman, that's on you as a writer. Because there's... Becca, I love you so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I because I think I've said this so many times on the podcast, that I'm someone who young when i was younger really didn't care for superman because i thought he was like rebecca said like boring and all of that and i think also maybe i was just a kid and i didn't appreciate like someone who's just a shining good example of someone being just like about truth and justice or you know i don't know maybe i just like darker gritty characters when i was a kid (laughs) i love batman like i was obsessed with batman um so for me, I never really got into, like, the Superman, the animated series, which, like, I've been meaning to now since doing this podcast. And every time Desiree talks about her love for Superman, I feel guilty. So. <laughs> but I really enjoyed this episode, and I liked to see different sides of Superman or, you know, or Clark that we haven't really seen in other, you know, representations of Superman. So it's nice to see him be layered. It's funny.
2: I had a friend, and he said that, because I love cats. I love cats so much. And he was like, you're like Selena Kyle. And I was like, yeah, but I would never marry Bruce Wayne in a million years. <laughs> like, that boy would want me to live in Gotham. The sun don't shine in Gotham. No. Nope. Like, <laughs> wow. like, it's based off of New Jersey, New York. I grew up there. I don't want to go back. I'm sorry. You got killer crocs in your sewers. You got clowns running all over the place. Nah, I'm good. Bruce can keep his millions. Oh man, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, there's so there's so much
3: you can do with. It. Like, um, last week I actually, because that's the other thing I've been doing too is that um, I've kind of fallen off on my, you know, DC animated movie uh, watching. So I have a I have a membership to um, Amazon Prime and they have a really cool library. So I watched um, Justice League: Gods and Monsters last Sunday, and I was just bugging out because that was Bruce Tim, right? And so this reimagining. Of Superman because this is basically like an alternate timeline, right? Because the premise is, what if Kal-el's biological father wasn't Jor-el but actually Zod, right? And so you know, and then he crashes to Earth, and then instead of the Kents finding Kal-el, it's a migrant Mexican couple that finds him and then raises him, right? And I was just sitting there like, I would have never thought, I would have never thought about, I would have never imagined that, but it makes perfect sense right because he is an alien he's seen as an alien he's seen as an outsider and you know particularly with this um, what's going on politically with Mexico mm-hmm. and you know with Trump saying you know building a wall or whatever it made perfect sense that Superman would be raised by a Mexican couple you know what I mean and then what it does is the the, the Superman we see as an adult you know he speaks Spanish and and because at first I was like oh they got Benjamin Brett. To voice Superman, that's cool. We've never had a Latinx actor um, voiceover for Superman, but then it made sense. Like once you hear Benjamin Bratt, it was like this version of Superman was so cool to me. I was like, he was still edgy. He had like a dark side to him, but I mean, he. I think because of the experience of being raised by people who were seen as outsiders, I think it gave him a deeper sense of empathy. In my opinion, I felt that it gave. Him a deeper sense of empathy as opposed to the Superman that was raised by a white couple. Could be just me, but that's the way. That's the way I was kind of looking at it. So yeah, it just proved to me that there's so much you can do with with the character when you have good writing and 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 really great imagination. You can take him in a lot of different directions.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, I definitely feel like in a weird way, like the uh, the crux of Superman, like his his problem almost is not his problem as a character, but like the problem we have with um, with the way his presentation is, is that he's just locked in, like, this box. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's this, this Boy Scout box where, you know, we're not touching upon, like, the idea of, like, his, his, his almost illegal alien metaphor that he has to his character, like mm-hmm. Gods and Monsters did. Um, you know, or it, it's like, I get that he's... Like, that Christopher Reeve thing, I love christopher reeve superman i love those those movies and stuff but they're this very like silver age version of superman you know and we need a more modern version of superman and he's almost too much of an icon anymore that people are almost unwilling to be like be able to play with him Mm -hmm. so it's funny to me where people are like well no he has to be smiley he has to be like a boy scout he has to be really good and i'm like but dude the the Justice League cartoons and his own cartoon. Like, he yeah. was able to be multifaceted. He was able to be angry. He was able to be sad. Like, one of my favorite episodes is actually The Man Who Has Everything. Yeah. Where, yes, where Mongrel shows up and you see, and it's just so sad. Like, I mean, there's so many, all the dudes are so barrel-chested in, in these <laughs> cartoons. Like, it cracks me up. Like, they're just, they're they just triangles with like these tiny legs. It's like, bro, don't skip leg day. But it was it was so sad. Like when you know he has to give up his son. He has to give up this this ideal world of his where he he is on a farm and he is with Lois and he has a he has a child and he's with his parents. You know, and then he he gets upset. Like he gets mad because. That would be traumatic. That's messed up. Like, you know, and what was it? Dwayne McDuffie actually wrote one of my other favorite episodes with Superman. It was called Hereafter. Mm-hmm. It has one of my favorite scenes of probably any, like, adapted comic book media. Um, and it's a scene where you actually think Superman died. and oh, Toyman. I love yeah, that. Where, yes! Where Toyman hits him and, like, the entire scene's just silent. Everybody's just kind of shocked because this is, like, the death of an icon. You know, and Wonder Woman just, she gets mad as hell and she just she almost like kills toyman right there and then flash stops her like for me the dcau another reason why it's timeless is just because of character interactions and moments where it really pushed the boundaries you know because it was like yeah we're a kids show but kids aren't stupid like they can handle these scenes, they can handle these subjects
3: yeah yeah i i especially love their just quickly i love their at their um interpretation of Wonder Woman in in Justice League. I love that she was kind of like the stuck-up princess, right? Cuz she could she could be overbearing at times, you know what I mean? And um and she just was not catering or just entertaining you know, men's point of view at all. And I just love that about her. So you definitely saw that Amazonian side of her, which I really appreciated. But yeah, like the interaction, I feel like they really nailed the interaction of the characters in Justice League. And like, they really did their homework and like really... Deconstructing who these characters were and how you know the alliances and the friendships that they had with each other, you know, which is why it's like when I saw the live version of Justice League, it was just sort of like, Ugh, where? We'll, we'll is talk it? about that, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, where, where, where is it? So, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, the the news last week announcing that Henry Cavill. I mean, I don't know that it's been confirmed yet, but the word is that Henry Cavill will be in the live action Shazam movie actually really interests me i was just like well i've you know i've had words about dc live action movies i haven't <laughs> loved everything that they've done but i feel like that is a step in the right direction like if if they can sort of tune into what clash sort of did i, I don't know yeah. if they're copy the same storyline or whatever but sort of having like this comparison of billy Batson and shazam just being sort of like this wide-eyed innocent compared to you know superman being a little jaded and a little cynical i think it could work you know because i know that you know with henry cavill i i own up to it i mean i saw man of steel i like man of steel i had some issues with it you know bvs i was that's when i started questioning henry cavill's ability to play superman i was like i don't know maybe we need a new superman maybe we need a new actor i don't know but then you know, when I really thought about it, I was like, no, it's not Henry Cavill because then I was able to watch I I hadn't watched it before. Last year I watched Man from Uncle that Henry Cavill. Yes. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, no, it's not Henry Cavill. It's the writing. (laughs) Mm So to me it was like so then I was like, okay, so I have to I have to kind of dial it back. So it's not the problem isn't Henry Cavill, it's the issue that the the screenwriter of B V S and also Justice League they don't know how to write for Superman. Um, I've said this and I've gone on record that I don't think Chris Terrio should write any more <laughs> DC movies. Like, yes, you got your Oscar for Argo. I'm very happy for you. I was very excited when they said that he was going to write Batman versus Superman. And then when I saw it, I was just like, where is this Oscar winning writing? <laughs> I <didn't see> it. <laughs> and, I, and I definitely didn't see it because I know he co-wrote or contributed to the Justice League script, I was just like, I don't really think that this is his milieu. Like, I don't know that writing for these DC characters is Terry's strength. So I'm feeling like we need a writer who really understands who Superman is. And that man is Dwayne McDuffie, but he ain't here. So <laughs> <laughs> who's like that? Like, when I think about it, it's like the, the problem that Henry Cavill is facing with the writing of Superman, I kind of compare it to what, was going on with Chris Hemsworth and Thor, right? Yes. The first two Thor movies were not that great. Oh, you know, I love the first Thor. I, yeah, well, I thought Chris Hemsworth is very charming and he's good. I was just like, okay, I think it's just the fact that they don't get who Thor is. And then once the writers and you know, Taika came in, they just reimagined Thor. And I think what they did that was so smart is that they worked with what Crims Hemsworth, uh, what his strength is, right? People are just distracted by his beautiful, godly looks. But <laughs> Hemsworth is actually very funny. He mm-hmm. is very funny and he has great comedic timing and Taika just sort of honed in on that. And so I feel like on Cavill's side, and not so much the comedy, but you just need a writer and a director that can give, uh, that can let him shine. So I'm thinking maybe showing up in the Shazam movie, maybe we can see a different side of uh, Superman you know what I mean his interaction with Billy Batson and and I'm one of these people that I do feel that we do need a Man of Steel too um, because we need to course correct <laughs> what's <laughs> going on with Superman but I'm saying whoever's going to take over the Man of Steel franchise has to be someone who really loves and respects who this character is you know and really work with Henry Cavill um, collaborate with him because I, I've been on Henry Cavill's Instagram page and that dude is funny like he's <laughs> just yes. He had, like, these really funny IG stories. And I was like, how are you guys not capitalizing on this? I'm not saying Superman has to be funny, ha, 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 like Thor on the Marvel side. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, like, you should just work with what, you know, his strengths are. If you watch Man of Uncle, he's very, you know, smooth. He's very debonair. He can play light. He can play dark. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what y'all need. That's what y'all need to do. Exactly. So clearly,
2: I need to
1: see this Man of Uncle movie. Oh, my God. yes. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of watched like a bootleg version of it first because I didn't see it in theaters. So, but I loved it so much that I went and like ordered it on Amazon, like the, wow. the whole Blu-ray and DVD set. Like I love that movie so much. And I'm, I know it didn't do well in theaters. So we're never gonna get a sequel, which is really sad because I think the movie's honestly so good. But yeah, seeing that movie, like Rebecca said, made me change my mind about like Henry as Superman. Because I thought maybe it was also me just in my, like, I don't always really care for Superman thing. So I thought it was that. But then seeing him in Man Promote Uncle, I'm like, no, he's just not, they're not, someone's not riding to his strengths and what he can do. Right. And so, yeah, dude is so talented. But, you know, we don't get to see that so much in him as Superman, which I hope, yeah, there will be some course correcting. And I would be down to see a Man of Steel, too, if they get it right.
2: Yeah, like, there were aspects I liked about Man of Steel, I the part where Jonathan dies is still one of the stupidest things I've seen in a comic book movie. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen every, I've seen like every comic book movie. So, but that was just dumb. Like the dog jumped out of the car. He didn't even need to go back. <laughs> like, his, leg, his it, leg got stuck in the car. Was that what it was? I think it was. And I was just like, to me, the way that you kill off Jonathan Kent is like the way Smallville did it, where like he just had a heart attack. You know, because mm. again, yeah. the way you you attack Superman, the way you, like, bring him down to a more human-relatable level is by giving him things that his powers can't can't handle. And right. Superman can stop a tornado. Like, he could have easily zoomed in and got his dad, but he can't stop a heart attack, you know? Right. Like, there's nothing that Clark can do to stop a heart attack. And that's why I don't like some comic book versions of, like, I don't really like Earth-1 Superman. The, his whole graphic series, graphic novel series, Earth-1, I didn't, because he was, like, too smart. He was, like, genius level. And, all that stuff, and I don't, and same with All-Star Superman, to me, that's too godlike, like, I want my farm boy that's just really sweet, totally in love with Lois Lane, like, you know, down to earth, and just wants to help people, and, you know, wants to figure out, like, his Kryptonian identity, like, those are interesting aspects about him, yeah, and Man of Steel, I felt played with a lot of that, it just, it had those moments where you're just, like, Eh, and the fight scenes were boring. So oh, oh. the fight scenes were boring. Like which is a shame because I liked Zod as a villain and I liked his second lieutenant Fiona or Fiora, whatever her name was. I but loved her. Love she was her. so cool, but the fight scenes were boring. And I was like, how much product place are y'all gonna put in Smallville? Like <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, those, I mean, some of the fight scenes in Man of Steel were a little extra, like, when they fought in the town, and I was just like, okay, it just felt like it was going a little bit longer than necessary, I'm like, there there could have been some editing there, you know, mm-hmm. and here's the thing, the funny thing is, like, the first time I screened Man of Steel, I went to a press screening, you know, I really liked it, and then um, I went to see it in the theater with my nephew, right, So at the time, he was probably like six or seven. He's a huge Superman fan. If you go into his bedroom, like, you know, his book bag, posters, everything, right? So I was just like, oh, my God, I get to watch this reimagining of Superman with my nephew. And then the scene where he killed Zod. Now, mind you, the first time that I saw it, it didn't really register with me. It was just sort of like, well, he just had to do what he had to do. But then I'm sitting next to my seven-year-old nephew who just saw one of his hero breaks somebody's neck. And he was looking at me like, he was like, Superman wouldn't do that. And I was like, you're right, baby, he wouldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? and, so, and so then once I seen it through the eyes of a child, it was just like, like why would you put that in a movie? There's been a lot of debate. There's been huge debates about you know why that was necessary, why it wasn't necessary. I'm of the opinion that I felt for a first movie that you're reintroducing a new Superman, it was probably too soon. to show him killing you know someone else while you you can you can justify why he did it i feel like there's maybe like 50 different other
2: ways that superman could have stopped zod right yeah save those people like like it's interesting because in clash superman and and shazam fight and they they destroy all of that lex Luthor town you know and i mean it's complete devastation you know and it's it's interesting when you compare that to the devastation that metropolis went under but the main difference is, like, there was, like, one, in Justice League, like, we had been with this Superman for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so his, his mindset, we understood it. Like, we understood why he kind of lost control and why he was fighting Shazam so so violently almost. Um, like, you knew that he was wrong because that right. wasn't the way he should have acted. But you understood why he acted that way. In Man of Steel, Superman, like, I get it, like, you know, Zod was a a warrior, so Superman barely knew how to punch, like, he a farm boy. But it just, it felt like it was dragging on, and I'm not really, like, does Superman kill or not kill, like, it really depends on the story, but I don't look at it as, like, like, you can justify it in the narrative, but then you have to think, like, there's a writer behind that that made that choice. Yes. And it's like, you know, was that the only choice, or did the writer just put that in there, you know? And I don't, like... The writer who did Man of Steel is also the same guy who did, like, the Nolan Dark Knight series. And personally, I don't really like the Nolan Dark Knight series, except for, like, the Joker. His Bruce Wayne is boring and, like, beats up mentally ill people in alleys and, like, yells and feels entitled to a woman who has no interest in him. Hmm. So, I'm not really for that series. And and I break people's hearts every time I say that. But, uh, you know, I was like, you know, Superman didn't, like, it's not it wasn't necessary to the story. You know, it just felt like a really quick and clean way to get rid of a villain. They already had, like, a a easy way to introduce, like, the Phantom Zone or something like that. He had his fortress, you know, like... Mm -hmm. there, I feel like there were other possibilities. You could have cut a lot of the fight scene. You know, there were other possibilities that you could have gone there. Because, like Rebecca said, like, this was the first time we had seen this Superman, you know? It's not like with, like, Justice League Superman, you know, the DCAU Superman. We had... You had so much time with that character. So when he messes up an entire city and beats up a 10-year-old, you know, in a super body, like, you get it. Like, you're like, you're wrong, but I get why you did that.
3: Right, like, exactly, exactly. And I think that is one of the weaknesses of the live-action DC is that they haven't had time to build up these characters as far as, like, their motivation yeah. ever. It's like, you know, we, we got Man of Steel, and then they threw him into Batman versus Superman, and then Justice League. So we, we haven't really had a time to really sit with henry cavill's superman so to speak you know what i mean and 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 the thing too is like um because i know that henry cavill had had done an interview with a magazine before jl dropped and i mean he was kind of hinting to the fact that he was a little dissatisfied you know with where superman is right now and i some fans were in their feelings about it and i was just like i think that henry cavill has every right he has every right to um, express his displeasure.
1: When you have different actors playing you know characters that we may all know and love, They're, these are different people with different experiences who are drawing on different experiences to put into the character. So you're not getting the same exact Superman, the same exact Batman that you've known over the last, like, you know, 30, 40 years or whatever. So it's important to, you know, have us actually emotionally invested in these characters before you go and do these big things. Like, that's why for me, I didn't care why Superman and Batman were fighting in BBS, because I don't really care about these versions of them, to be honest. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people took that as me saying, like, I'm heartless, and I don't care that he was sad about his mom and like no that's not what it is we haven't got time to really build an emotional like where we care about them Mm -hmm. yet you know so it's just like of course I'm not gonna be you know upset like if they killed Ned Stark in episode one of Game of Thrones I wouldn't care that he died but the fact that they drew it out for you know nine episodes you get nine hours of building an emotional relationship or you know caring about his character and then like kill Ned Stark yeah it heavy and it sucks so right. it's like
2: okay But well, who didn't know that sean bean was gonna die i mean I, know. But still, yeah.
3: I, I hadn't read the book and that came i was just sort of like because you know they they threw they curved us because it's like i remember all the marketing and all the promo for game of thrones here in new york like everything was just sean bean everything was sean bean he was sitting on the throne so i was like oh he's the main character okay um <laughs> I not see that he's so- not gonna die in this one oops I know, right? So I'm like two for two, why do you guys keep doing this? Um, yeah, so I didn't see that. But yeah, Brittany, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, you you have to build like I I do feel that they should have done Man of Steel Two before BVS, mm-hmm. like we needed one more movie with Superman, you know, for us to to, to really sit with Clark and 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 Superman before BVS, right? And then maybe in, maybe in Man of Steel two, that is when they could have introduced um, Bruce Wayne, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because the funny thing is, like, you know, when BVS came out, I went back and watched in uh, the Superman animated series, World's Finest, like every, like I watched pretty much every iteration. Um, every animated iteration of Batman and Superman meeting, and all of them were just, like, A+. plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, every Batman-Superman crossover was just great. Like, there's this one episode, I think it's in season two or three of Superman, where uh, Bruce is taken over by Brainiac where, with the nanites, and so Superman pretends to be Batman. I love that episode <laughs> so much, right? Because it's already established uh-huh. that, you know, because previously in the the movie, the Batman Superman movie, uh, Batman and Superman met each other. They worked with each other, but they didn't really like each other, right? So then when Robin tells him that Bruce is missing, he's kind of like, yeah, we're not really friends. But... Superman, you know, takes over for Batman and he helps him out. And then by the end of the episode, you kind of see there's like seeds of a friendship there. And I just, I just wish that we could have gotten something like that in the live action version of just kind of seeing, you know, like you kind of, you kind of need to see that progression of them meeting, not quite liking each other, kind of like trying to fill each other out, and then becoming friends. And you know what I mean? Like it was just very rushed. And we, so yeah. So by the time they were fighting in Batmanverse, like I just. There was I didn't have anything vested. There was nothing emotionally vested in this fight. I didn't really care who won. To be honest with you, I was like, I guess Batman could win. I guess Superman could win. <laughs> Fine, whatever. Well,
2: okay, girl. Have but, you guys <laughs> have you guys heard the the rumors that um, in the Shazam movie, Billy Batson's actually been like a fan of Superman for a while? Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you guys think could like how Superman could play into that? Like how. How would this like kind of help course correct Superman? Do you guys think? Well, I had like this theory, right? Because
3: I was like, maybe this could, this could probably be like the seeds of where they could bring that into Shazam and then maybe bring that into Justice League too. Because remember in Justice League, well, if any, I'm assuming everybody watched, so spoilers, um, you know, Superman is dead and then they bring him back to life with the mother box, right? And so I was thinking no one comes back from the dead totally 100% right so I was thinking that maybe this could be like the opening to a dark side you know uh, uh, this could be like the opening to a dark side storyline kind of like what they did in the animated series maybe in Shazam maybe there could be some sort of interaction where Superman is starting to go dark you know what I mean like maybe there's some kind of mind control and maybe Shazam is sort of like that first line of defense where he's like you know what he's my idol but Something isn't quite right with him, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because then that opens it up for a big old Shazam Superman, you know, fight or whatever. So, I'm thinking there has to be some sort of clash. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like I, I don't think like if you just do it like happy go lucky, like oh I get to meet Superman and um, we're flying together and eh, I think there has to be some sort of rivalry. There has to be some sort of yeah. clash between them for it to be interesting, and that could lead into. I think the end of that with Shazam could kind of lead into Justice League 2 where the league where they'll have to get more members and be like, yo, we got to <laughs> we got we to gotta take this guy down. And, you know, if Dark Side decides to come back, because I'm assuming that Steppenwolf was just step one. Right. That didn't work. So I'm assuming he's going to bring like, you know, the big guns. Right. That's how you could bring in Big Barda. That's how you could bring in Granny Goodness. Like you could bring in like the heavy hitters. You know what I'm saying? So that that could be like you could start that in Shazam, and then kind of bring that into in into Justice League too. That's just me. I I, I would love to see that.
2: I would love to see like a live action version of the Big Barda Wonder Woman versus the Furies fight from yes. Superman Batman Apocalypse. Yes, that could be cool to see because that's one of the one of my favorite animated fights. Is that fight? They did such a good job with that fight.
3: They did. They did. And you know what's crazy? I remember um, Ava DuVernay, I think they asked her in an interview, like, who her favorite superhero was or a comic book character. And she said Big Barda, which kind of threw me. I I, I was going to say Storm, but I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, and then people were like, oh, we'd love to see Ava do a Big Barda movie. And I was like, don't tempt me with a good time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd watch anything she directs. So if she directs that, awesome. If she directs Marvel or X-Men or um, I'd watch whatever superhero movie Ava directs.
2: Yeah. I need to get her on something. Yes. Please, Please. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. I'm giving up on Star Wars. I can't <laughs> hang with Star Wars no more. Okay. Oh, my God. How many
3: more do we have to do? Okay, so we just finished eight. We've got nine. <laughs> and then Re- yeah. R- 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 Rian Johnson has, like, his own spinoff series. So. Yeah gonna be here for a while <laughs> i'm breaking britney's heart because britney loves kylo you know why he was i mean britney and i may not agree on the love for adam driver i'm like he's okay but i did but i have to say that i do find him um very fascinating in the kylo ren role like i i thought he was really good in force awakens and in the last jedi i was just like huh okay like he I don't know, like he kind of brings layers to the role and this anger and this like entitlement that I just find hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I actually enjoy watching him. I absolutely enjoy watching Adam Driver in that role. What do you guys think
2: of uh, The Rock as Black Adam showing up in the Shazam film?
3: Oh, so they are going to bring Black Adam
2: into into the movie? That's apparently what's going on, which, I mean, I don't know if that's, because there's actually a DC animated movie called Superman Shazam Return of the Black Adam. I need to watch that one. I haven't watched that one yet. It was like one of their first animated movies. Um, I saw it once years ago. It was okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't amazing but like i wonder if you know that's gonna play a part or something like that i am glad to have like the rock in a superhero franchise i love him yeah well
3: the only thing that i said and i didn't want to say it on twitter because i I can't i can't deal with people's just irrationality (laughs) but i will say that when they were announcing shazam right because because they cast the rock right as as black adam I was like, okay, I kind of saw him as Shazam, but I was like, okay, he wants to play something different. That's cool. You know, he wants to kind of break the the, the good guy role. The one thing that I was hoping when they announced the Shazam movie, just me, I was hoping that Billy Batson and the actors who were cast as Billy Batson and Shazam were also going to be actors of color, too. Um, So the only thing that I'm just thinking about is, like, if you're setting up Black Adam to be the villain, right? And then Shazam and Billy Batson are the white
2: guys. I'm just trying to think of, like, what that looks like on screen. Do you catch what I'm saying? Like, um, no, I, I agree, because that was actually my initial hope, yeah. too. Like, I was hoping that, because I know, in um and if you guys have seen Flashpoint, the animated Flashpoint movie, you mm-hmm. see the Shazam kids, and they're all, like, a lot of them are kids of color that work with Billy, you know, and they all form Shazam together. Huh. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. That is very, very true. Um, yeah, it's not to knock, you know, like, Zachary, Zachary, is it Levi or
3: Le- Le- Levy? Levi. Um, Levi. Yeah, like, I am a big fan of him. I, I loved him in Chuck. I, I actually need to finish watching the last two seasons. Um, But I'm a big yeah. fan because I loved his um acting and singing in um Tangled. And I'm always confusing him with John Krasinski from The Office. So I'm always having to, like, remember Yo, him. Yo, you
2: too, because I was like... <laughs>
3: I always have to remember that they're two different people. So I like Zachary Lee. Like, when they announced him at Shazam, I was like, that's not who I kind of really had in mind. But I'm not totally against it. Like, I'm trying to keep an open mind. I can see why they would kind of go for him. Because Zachary does have that sweetness and that innocence about him. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I love Chuck so much is that he was, he was like this, this adorable nerd. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know. I mean, the only thing is, like, I just need to know that, he can hold his ground against The Rock as Black Adam because The Rock is, like, someone, like, when he's mm-hmm. in a scene, like, he just he just takes it over. It's like, so if you're acting against The Rock, like, you got to come with your A-game. And I don't mean so much acting, but as far as, like, charisma and presence and all of that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Zachary's not someone that I ever think about someone, like, hitting the gym. You know what I'm <laughs> But he said that he was, like, in Instagram, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be hitting the gym. Because he's he's tall. He's a really tall dude. So I'm Mm -hmm. keeping an open mind to see how he's going to do with Shazam. The actor who plays Billy Batson, I'm not really familiar with him. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep an open mind with the movie and stuff. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, bringing Superman and, 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 and Black Adam, that's a lot of artillery (laughs) for the movie but I mean you know they're they're kicking off a franchise so I kind of see why they have to kind of hit the ground running so to speak so yeah you know because I guess DC knows that you know they've they got a lot of pressure right now you know and I think they're all the bad reviews and the this and that and yeah I mean I think they can do better I think they I think they can do better and they will do better once they get better writers and better directors
1: (laughs) so yeah I kind of hope though with Shazam they go with like the whole like big kind of feel like that movie
3: mm-hmm.
1: with Tom Hanks as they kind of you know the superhero oh, obviously. Oh
2: yes I see what you're saying yes I agree with that I agree with
1: that I, I kind have of not feel like... seen
2: that movie I'm just I'm still thinking of like of Zachary and his, his thin little self because I just watched Fate of the Furious and The Rock is just jacked like, <laughs> really like yeah. his, his biceps is bigger than like my entire head and torso like <laughs> that's yeah, I mean,
3: cause I'm just like I, I can't even lie. Like I'm just like I got distracted because I started imagining The Rock in that black Adam. <laughs> I started wandering. Like, come on, girl, get back. <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, you know that The Rock is just gonna basically just—he's gonna look hot. He's probably gonna be like the hottest looking villain because i you know we've been joking like with the black panther coming out because we know michael b jordan um is the villain and so people are just like we're we're rooting for the villain sorry T'Challa, like <laughs> the thing about like getting like really hot guys to play villains i mean the rock i mean i, I i'm gonna try to root for shazam but i don't know girl i don't <laughs>
2: I don't know either like I'm he he be smiling and stuff. We, see, that's I'm actually that's one of the reasons I'm actually really excited that he's playing Black Adam because in the yeah. comics Black Adam is actually this pretty like layered character. Like he's kind of almost like a sympathetic mm-hmm. kind of antagonist. So, yeah. and the rock is so charismatic like I can see that the audience is automatically being like, "Okay, you kill people, but you you're you're so pretty." Like, yes. look at you. Like, <laughs> it's okay. Yes. I can that's- forgive that. Just, just flex again, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but and see, that's, that's a smart, like, see,
3: that's smart strategizing on DC point. I like do more of that. Like, <laughs> like, you know, just like kind of mess with people's expectations, right? So if you have like this really charismatic villain, it, yeah, because because from what I understand, they're supposed to like Black Adam is supposed to get his
2: own franchise as well, right? Is, is that that was the idea? That's that's something they've had on their slate. And, like, with with an actor like The Rock, I can't imagine that they wouldn't try to capitalize on that. uh, Like, on his, you know, his box office appeal, on his market Mm -hmm. appeal, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, like, to have, like, stories about, you know, villains and such. Like, one of the, there's an episode in Justice League where um, it was entirely about the villains. And I think it's near the end of, like, the second season of Unlimited, Mm -hmm. Right before Darkseid comes back, and it's just all about, like, Lex Luthor... And his Legion of Doom and all the villains are, like, they're divided and they're fighting against each other. And that was actually really interesting, you know, because you often don't get to see that side, you know. And one of the other things I really liked about Justice League is the episode where Flash and Lex Luthor switch places. And oh, my God! That episode was hilarious! Yes, I love that episode. And it was so great because, like, the villains are also, like, they're 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 kind of petty and they argue and, you know, like, they're evil. But they're also, like still like they're still really human you right. know and uh and, and god it's so great to watch justly because then you watch it as an adult and like the part where uh where lex luther's girlfriend pulls Flash as lex into the bathroom and stuff and, like you don't get that as a kid but as an adult i was like oh snap okay uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> you know what was interesting
3: um and this was something that i was thinking about too i'm wondering if maybe if this episode had come out um maybe closer to today as opposed to when it came out. Um, I think this was the second season of Justice League and it was uh, Maid of Honor that was with Wonder Woman when she was protecting the princess of Casnia. And so she, she creates like this friendship because it's this whole idea that like, oh, yeah. while Wonder Woman is here, like she still can't quite foster relationships with other women, like, because we know she and Hot Girl kind of rub each other the wrong way and stuff. And so... It was kind of cool to kind of see her, you know, have, like, this friendship with Audrey. But I don't know if it was just me. But when
2: I watched that episode, I was getting a different vibe. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, thank yeah. you. Was, no, no. I was rewatching that episode, and I was like, no, nah, Audrey wants some of that princess. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And so I'm thinking if, if this episode was written in,
3: say, 2017, would they have leaned into the more sapphic themes? Or just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because now... We do know that, um, you know, great thing about uh, Black Lightning and, you know, um, with Supergirl, they, you know, they're not shying away, at least on the live action side, they're not shying away from having queer women superheroes, right? Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, I was like, maybe if this episode had come out, maybe like mm, six, seven years later, maybe they would have been a little bit more overt. I don't know. Maybe just me. But I'm just wondering if they they would be a little bit more overt with Wonder Woman and Audrey's interaction, because I was definitely
2: catching different vibes. Yeah, you were catching that subtext No. (laughs) It's actually interesting that you say that because um, Static Shock, like, uh, Richie from Static Shock, who was Virgil's best friend and such, Dwayne McDuffie actually said on, uh, like, his official, like, forum boards for his website that Richie was gay in the show. Like, yeah, yeah, he said it. So, and he always wanted to, like, actually have Richie, like, come out or, like, you know, say that he was gay in canon, but the network wouldn't allow it. Of course yeah and like the network was really weird and reluctant to even allow Virgil to to date you know or to be able to kiss and stuff. it's so it's it's crazy to me, but like Dwayne McDuffie is kind of like um like I imagine what Greg Wiseman who does young justice. is that how you say his last name? Yes. Mm-hmm. yeah, like because I know Greg also said on his forums that there are queer characters in young Justice. The network just wouldn't allow him to say that. Oh Lord, yeah, yeah, so it's it's crazy. Dwayne and Greg have both gone through the same struggle. And the shows are, like, a decade apart. Wow. Yeah.
3: yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that they will do better with that. I mean, because
2: the thing is, like, now
3: we have we have cartoon series where we have like, I'm just getting on the Steven Universe train, and I'm just, like, blown away by, like, how open it is. Like, there's no subtext in Steven Universe whatsoever. And I just think it's, like, one of the most beautiful animated series ever. And so I'm just, like, yeah. I was, like, I think it's there's nothing wrong with having queer superheroes. Like, kids of today, they're not stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they, they know what queerness is. So I don't know what it is we're really protecting them from. You know what I mean? Because if, if, the thing is, like, the, the thing with Justice League, for instance, like, there there's certain progress. Like, I think I remember reading something about the episode. Um, I forget which episode it was. But uh, when Shiera and green lantern kiss i think someone said that that was like the first or one of the first interracial kisses in in an animated series that was nice. i was just like what like why is this a first well that's what i was thinking i was like why are <laughs> we first in like interracial kisses are you serious but yeah i mean okay so there's progress there but not progress with queer characters of color i mean with, with queer characters um in that universe so yeah i think um well, I know Young Justice is supposed to be coming back. They're going to be having it on the DC platform. I hope maybe they will give, you know, Greg more latitude in showing, like, queer characters in Young
2: Justice. I would love to see that. That would be, yeah. that would be dope. Yeah. I hope so, too, because in the comics, Calder is actually, he's he's a young gay man now, you know, in the comic books. What? So Yeah, like... Yeah, my, I need to catch up on my reading. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in Teen Titans right now, so... Um, yeah, you know, I think he was he was going through like an arc with like his dad and stuff, and um, learning that he was a, a part Atlantean. But you know, yeah, it's like so. There's something right there. Like me, I mean, you know, I always shipped him with Clone Roy. Anyway, I was like, like they they be teaming up all the time, and like Calder likes him, and I was like, don't let Calder get away because he cute. Like, who you want yeah. to do better, Roy? There's so much. You know, the thing is, there's like so much queer baiting.
3: Like, I mean, just as an example, you know, I was telling you guys that I was revisiting Supernatural, right? Because there were a couple of seasons that I missed out on. And the more that I watch Supernatural, I'm like, I really don't understand why Dean and Castiel are not an actual couple. I know there's lots exactly. of phantoms and lot. I'm like, you guys are just basically putting it out there. Every the only thing that's missing is that these two just need to kiss. Just, and I would watch that. Um, <laughs> let it happen. Let it happen because, like, the interaction between Dean and Castiel. I'm like, they're a couple. They fight like a couple. They have so many things in common. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, you know, in a braver world, these two would be these two would just totally be lovers. You know what I'm saying? Because we certainly
2: picked up on it. The writers know because they've commented, but they're not. That's one of the things that I like about like Greg and stuff is he's actually been really he he wants it. Like he's been pushing for it, and it was just a net network problem with like. I've seen mm. commissions and stuff at for Supernatural, and they know about it. It's just they're like, "Oh, well, you're just reading too much into it. It's just a fan thing, you know." That's- and it, and that's how it becomes baiting. So yeah, um, I don't think so. I mean, why? I mean, why couldn't Dean be bisexual or
3: queer? Like, that's not like that's gonna make him less manly. And I would put this in like air quotes. Like, I don't think that would. I don't really think that that would hurt the show at all. I mean, hell, you got fandoms where they're shipping Sam and Dean together, and they're brothers. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, there's,
1: so there's
2: no barriers on fandom. I don't, I don't mess with the Supernatural fans. They scare me.
3: Oh,
1: <laughs> there's such incest sh- shipping, like, in all different fandoms. I don't even understand, but all right. <laughs> uh-huh. There are some parts of
2: the Internet I just don't go to.
3: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
2: But, yeah, I'm hoping with Young
3: Justice that, that we'll we'll hopefully see some, some queer characters. And I don't know. I do know that there's been a, a campaign. Um, by some of the voice actors on Justice League where they're very interested in yeah. a, like a reunion series, which I think is a fantastic
1: idea. And I think it I think they happy. want to make it a movie, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's, I think there's a hashtag too, like just DL reunion. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Yes.
2: Thank you. I would love to see that. I
3: would love to see that because, yeah, yes. it's just... Um, my nephew watches it. Like he has the DVDs and he watches young... He'll watch Justice League and Justice League Unlimited at least twice a year. Like he'll just <laughs> watched everything from the first episode till the end or whatever and it's it's just amazing to see like how it's held up after all these years like the animation to me is still great and the just the level of storytelling is just so good it's just so good and I was just like I was like why can't they smuggle some of the people who worked on the animated side over to the live action side (laughs) yeah
1: I did watch rewatched class this morning and mm. I actually bought it off of iTunes cuz it's not on I don't think it's on the uh, Netflix anymore.
3: No.
1: So, no. I just bought it off of iTunes and watched it and it's just like you said the storytelling ho- holds up, the animation and watching it now in today's context, I was thinking about um like Trump, how you know, there's those people who are blind and stupid and sorry but they were like oh yeah he can change things he can change people can change people can get better and kind of billy's approach to lex he's like no like if you have to give people second chances they to prove themselves that they can be better and superman's like no so i really did like see those parallels to like today's world and i actually really appreciated like seeing that and how some people are just blind and Mm-hmm. wanted but they're like they wanted to do good but they're just like not in the right like they're just not lining up right
3: yeah and I, the one person I, that I loved because uh, in Just League Unlimited they you know brought in the the lineup you had a lot more characters that they brought in one of my favorite characters and I, I need to see a live action version of him is the question I loved the question in the whole Cadmus storyline he is so he was he was brilliant but he was funny at the same time mm-hmm. um And I just, and I actually, and one of my other favorite episodes, so I I loved his whole, you know, kind of, like, cracking the mystery of Cadmus. But then I also liked his hookup with... Huntress! Yes, with Huntress! Oh, my gosh! I thought that that would work, but they were so (laughs)
2: cute together. They were so cute, and they were funny. Like, again, like, the little things that you don't realize as a kid, like, that one time he's investigating, and Huntress is like, what are you wearing? uh And I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, he's wearing socks. And she's like, "You suck at this." And as an adult, I'm like, "Oh snap!" Like, but that was one thing I actually really loved about the show was that the women got to be really in charge. Yeah, like their own relationships. Like Black Canary, same thing. Like she played Green Lantern. Like he was seeing his circles, and I loved that. So, but um, the episode um Double Day. That's one yes. of my favorite episodes. I Neil Simon wrote that episode. Oh, mm. he did. Yes, and oh it, it's, it's also one of my favorite episodes. Makes sense.
1: So, um, so is there any final thoughts on um, Clash or just JLU in general? Well, I
3: like I, I mean, I think Clash was just such a, a great episode. And I'm telling you, like, that, that ending where he walks into the meeting and <laughs> I wrote this on Twitter. Like, he just snatched his Kryptonian edges. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Like, he just read Superman for And I was like, wow. He was like, yeah, I don't. He was just like, I don't respect you anymore. I used to look up to you. And he just walked out. And I was like, wow, what an exit. You know, and it it really and and really through that episode, you started looking at the Justice League a little bit different, too. You know what I'm saying? It was just sort of like, yeah, maybe they wield a little bit too much power. You know, and they're they're a little bit too comfortable with that. So I, I think that that's a standout episode. But yeah, I would tell people if you haven't seen Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, please rectify that. Go watch it. And if you've watched it before, go watch it again. It's it's great, great one of the best TV series, I think.
2: Right? Does it? I mean, yeah. Rebecca really said it all. Like uh, that episode really emphasizes like the overall theme of that season. You know, which is like the the concept of power. And, you know, does the Justice League abuse their power? Like, they don't think they do, but the possibility is there. And that was the whole reason, like, they brought characters like Green Lantern and Black Canary and Huntress and the Question And These are characters that don't have any superpowers. But they watch these, essentially, like, these godlike characters that have all the power. And, you know, all, like, even, even Batman, I mean, he's godlike and uh, the dude owns the world. Like, he's so rich, it's ridiculous. You know, but and yeah, that episode, like, you have somebody who Shazam, who's like a a direct foil to Superman, and at the end, he's like, "I don't respect you guys," you know. And I, I thought that was such a great ending because in most climaxes, you know, of of a comic book franchise, you know, or or comic book, you know, movie or such and such, it it always ends up with like, you know, punch the bad guy out, and then you know, there's there's a happy ending, somebody rides off into the sunset, et cetera, et cetera. This was. You know, this was an emotional climax. Like the climax was not Superman and Shazam fighting. The climax was Shazam at that meeting telling the Justice League, you guys need to reexamine yourselves because I, I don't believe in you anymore. And he's like the emphasis of everything they should be fighting for. You know, this optimism, this youthfulness, this, you know, to protect the innocent. So, yeah, if you haven't watched Justice League, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but you need to get on it. It's amazing. (laughs) They're available on Amazon. Yeah, you just need to watch it.
1: Is it free on Amazon?
2: Yeah, I don't know that. I own all the DVDs.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I, that's what I was just wondering, just in case maybe a listener might want to know. But they are on iTunes, but you have to buy them on iTunes. So, well, I guess that wraps up our discussion with Rebecca. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. This was so much fun. And
3: I love the fact that I could talk about this with two other women. I love it. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, and Rebecca, yes. where can people find you on social media?
3: Oh, sure. Um, On Twitter, I'm at at filmfatale underscore NYC. Um, My Instagram is also the same at Fatal underscore NYC. So yes, you'll
2: always find me tweeting about movies, TV, comic book, all that stuff.
1: Desiree, your, your social handle?
2: Um, people can find me on Twitter at Boricua Desiree and, uh, or at my website, um, latinasmediasmusings.com.
1: Awesome. And you guys can find me at Hi Brittany Monet, or you can also follow my other podcast at BL underscore podcast. That is the podcast for Black Lightning. And thank you all for listening. We out. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to DCTV Classics. Follow us online at DCTV Classics. Go to dctvpodcast.com to find all the podcasts in the family. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. Please rate and review the podcast if you do. I'm Keith Chow. Follow me at The Real Chow on Twitter and The Nerds of Color. And please remember to support our Patreon at slash The Nerds of Color. Until next time. Same pod time, same pod channel.